Hey, this is Robert Rustler, known as the Rusty Dog, also known as the Bad Boy of Architecture. Some people also refer to me as the guy that threw his grandma down a flight of stairs. You're listening to Nightmare Junkhead Podcast. out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that always had high anxiety when playing the game scrabble my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode the dog days of summer take us from the 1970s to the 1980s as we deal with dogs and demons and talk 1988s watchers and whether you've taken in a stray or not you can listen into our show simply search for nightmare junkhead wherever podcasts are played hit subscribe and when you drop our latest episode it'll download directly to your listening device of choice all up in your fluffy hole <laughs> you can find us being fluffy out on social media uh, if twitter is still there uh, you can find us on nightmare junkhead uh, but you can find us on facebook at nightmare excuse me nightmare junk on Twitter. Yes. Nightmare, Nightmare Junkhead Junk. on the Book of Face. And I believe it is on the Book of Face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and coots shenanigans. And as this episode is going to be releasing on Friday, July 14th, if you find yourself in the Kansas City area, head on over to screenland.com where they will have your Kuntzian shenanigans taken care of indoors, outdoors, and possibly virtually. You could have went Dean shenanigans, but then that would have made them crusty. You, yeah, you have to watch Dean shenanigans. Exactly. They're very rarely of the cool variety. No. If they're the Cundy variety, Right, then awesome, solid. awesome. But, but if they're the crusty variety, then there's no partying allowed. Well, you know what? Regardless of the variety, go to the Friday Night Fright tab at Screenland.com. In fact, the Friday this episode is releasing, mm-hmm. our latest Friday Night Fright. Ooh, Participated in this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness mm-hmm. is celebrating its tenth year of terror, and more importantly, and we got a special guest, someone that actually is associated in with the place. Yeah, their life and times is on the big screen. And Gee, we're neat. I can't wait. This is going to be nuts. Andrea Perrin is going to be appearing with us. Uh, she is actually at a haunting convention going on that weekend called Metacon. I'm surprised Horror Club's not a part of that. I, it's, it, well, you know, it's start the start the tendrils. Yeah, Get exactly. the ectoplasm tendrils there that are going go. out there. But no, she actually, and she's written books, uh, House of Darkness, House of Light. So to have her in attendance, we're going to do a Q&A with her afterwards. I'm anxious and a little intimidated. Me too. Me too. Yeah, it doesn't happen too often. We never really we've talked to filmmakers and we've talked to like people behind the scenes of films, but we never talked to anybody who's lived yes. the film. Oh man, we we gotta up our game. Yeah, we do. We gotta yeah, up we our do. game. Yeah, now looking forward to next Friday night's Friday. <laughs> don't again, it's on there. It's fucking on there. Another film that had participated in this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness. Mm-hmm. And another film that I know is very divisive, but I imagine it's gonna bring quite a few people out. From 2003, Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. Maybe seeing it on the big screen with a crowd possibly could change the experience. Sure. I'm going to give it a whirl. I'm uh, going to yeah, give yeah, it a whirl. You know. I might. If I, I'm not pulling a death game, but if I leave and go to the bathroom and I don't come back, I'm just saying, but I'm not. <laughs> and I can't. I don't want. I don't want Sid Haig. Who's the man who does it? Yeah, and start singing my that would good be, old dad. That would be kind of terrifying. Now, that being said, uh, the other repertory screenings that are happening the weekend of the 14th and one I know you would find yourself at. Uh, this is, I believe, the 4K restoration as well. Roddy Harrington's R- Patrick Swayze's Roadhouse. J.C. Penny is coming to Screenland because of me. Brad Wesley. And I do believe that should be hosted by our friends at the Dirtbag Cinema Podcast. So, I know, unfortunately, I think Jaws got rained out. Yeah. And they're really looking forward to hosting. So, if you can, get out there, support them. But also, it's it's 
Roadhouse. It's Roadhouse. This is it's crazy for Swayze. It's um, fucking. It's it's nuts. It's it's got a little something for the uh, ladies and got a little something for the chaps. It's got, got all. It's got a little something for everybody. It's Roadhouse. It's Roadhouse. It's Roadhouse. Now happening on the nineteenth. Actually, kind of looking forward Elliot. to next Wednesday. Fucking they, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott going up against Art the Clown because on um, sorry Art. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Damn that hurt, don't it? On the nineteenth, though, you can take in the OG Terrifier. You nothing funny about this art, man. And being that we just got back from Crypticon, Terrifier was everywhere. Terrifier had a lot of Terrifier love, that's for sure. A lot of love. Now that being said, on the fifteenth, outdoors on Saturday, the outdoor film. It's it's and I've seen that for me, and it's one I probably would like from what I've heard, but. Have you seen Hot Rod? That's nice. You've seen that for me, too. And people tell me that I would love it. They're like, my sensibilities of humor, I would find it hilarious. Do you think it's an age gap thing? Do you think Andy Samberg is kind of an age of demarcation reference gap? I think so, because here's the thing. I love Step Brothers, right? And they had some SNL alum, but that's like 10 years later, so maybe, you know? And I've never been one into, not because of not wanting to, just I never got into Brooklyn nine nine well you also know who's in hot rod elza fisher ian mcshane is he yes oh elza fisher's though is in it as well i think so Oh snap see now maybe we should go out of our comfort zone and go outdoors and watch that one come on then andy i want you to ride your bicycle and ride a ride <laughs> you can do this andy come on it's it's not that Right, Andy, you can do this. Just like he said, you get on the bike, pal your ass up there, and he got Now, Jason, don't pressure the boy. I've been training the lad. I've been wondering and tutoring him. But he done a bang-up job there, Daisy, because he ain't got two feet on the ground yet. Jason, these things take time. Andy, whenever you're ready, but please, hurry up. <laughs> That's another entry from uh, the Statham McShane Theater. <laughs> Listen, okay, I recently watched The Thing with the Two Heads the, for the first time ever, right? Uh-huh. If we could have that kind of a movie with Ian McShane and James Statham, you would be the man to at least do some <laughs> ADR on that film. It'd have to be, like, animated or something in, like... The, you know what? It'd be in, like, almost in an SNL funhouse kind of way. It'd have to I be a robot like chicken. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Adult Swim-esque kind of thing. We need a robot chicken of all just the weird shit that goes on in my head. That'd be scary. Well, thankfully, a lot of weird, crazy stuff happens at Screenland, and uh, we're very thankful for them. Now, of course, if you're listening from afar and you're like, uh, Screenland's pretty rad, I, I too would like to watch, you know, right. uh, Hot Rod Outdoors and, uh, you know, The Conjuring Indoors with you guys, but I can't, but I would like to support, and it's very easy to do. Uh, go ahead and become a member of their film family by going to patreon.com slash Screenland. But genius, I'm talking Patreon and film family. Hey. Bellies. We also have a crazy crew that is gathering at Patreon. And actually, what's kind of cool now is regardless of your tier, uh, this week you will have had access to some of our admittedly, we're going to, they, they started as a Crypticon dispatch, mm-hmm. but then evolved into a um, Tales from the Crypticon. But I'm talking. <laughs> Full theatrics uh, that you will be getting as part of the member of our film family because now that will be released the first uh, Friday of August. Mm-hmm. You all will eventually hear those conversations, but our film family members will have access to that early. So actually you can hear this week we're talking with uh, Nick and Julie from the Carnage Report podcast mm-hmm. and then Katie Glidewell from the, the Blonde in Front. Yes. And fun conversations, a lot of good times. Now to have access to that and so much more, Head on over to patreon.com slash nightmare junkhead. And actually here in July, we are loaded. Yeah. With a lot of content. There's some good stuff coming up. And good stuff already abound. Uh, yeah, and no, believe me, if you were ever thinking about maybe giving the Patreon a, a, a taste, a snippet, this would be a good time to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, what's actually kind of cool though is from going from Patreon to our main feed is one of the things on Patreon is at least three times a week. You'll hear my thoughts uh, on me watching a movie for the first time. It is uh, part of a discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and regardless of your tier, you have access to that. And it's the journey I've taken, Genius. And I mean, even outside of horror, I've seen some musicals, comedies, yeah. documentaries, just a number of different films. But what's wonderful, though, is when 
a movie has such an impression on me that I, I make you watch it. And then maybe it has enough of an impression on you that it goes from something you'd hear on Patreon to something you'd hear on the main feed. Right. It's happened many times just before dawn. Exactly. Like, oh, man, this movie was crazy. You got to see it. Like, dude, we need to talk about that movie. The movie was wild. Yeah. So. And I mentioned that as uh, Watchers for me was a movie I've only seen one time. And it was back in December as I was putting together a trailer reel. I was getting ready to watch Micah Monroe's Watcher. And so if anyone knows, I always put together little pre-show trailers just to set the mood. Mm-hmm. And one of the trailers was Watchers. It's, I think, my third trailer because I always make it a little bit more goofy. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's Corey Haim and a dog and mutants. And, you know, I haven't watched that. I kind of need to watch it. And I watched it, fell in love with it. And then when I realized... We're doing the dog days of summer. Yeah, it's a perfect time to throw in the dog in the mix. Well, and I even asked, I was like, have you, because I think I even after watched it the first time, I was like, when's the last time you watched Watchers? So I remember watching Watcher on Showtime on this one of those Showtime free The free weekend. weekend? So it must have been like, when? what year did this come out? 1988. So this would have been 89. That's Man. That tracks. That tracks. So we're nearing almost a f- the 30, 35 year gap. But on honestly, that. I haven't seen it since then, but I know I've seen it because as I was watching it, I'm like, are you? I remember that. Like, like very fever dreamy. Like, I know I've seen this before, but no, I don't think I have. You know, one of those, mm-hmm. like, I'm not sure. So this, I it can't is- say that I've seen that, but I can't it- say I've seen that. You know what I'm saying? So as we've seen when we do a lot of this programming with stuff that we're, we're revisiting mm-hmm. after a long period of time, it feels like a first-time watch. Right. And there's familiarity. The, there's familiarity. Like, I know I, I've seen that scene, this particular thing, especially the Michael Ironside performance in this, because did, I remember like thinking, like, damn, this dude is hardcore. No, did you remember him being in this film? No, but did, I remember, like, oh, shit, I've seen this Michael Ironside perform. I think because back in 89... I would have been 11 years old, mm-hmm. and I don't so, know if I would have appreciated Michael Ironside. You probably also didn't really, you didn't have the baggage you have now with animals. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine more than anything, you were probably maybe going for the Corey, more than likely, or at least because saying, hey, I love License to Drive. Let's let's start here with the late great Corey Haim, mm-hmm. and I think an actor that uh, I mean it's the. They're, they're it, tragic life, you know, a lot of hardships. But, you know, at when he was at his peak, especially in the 80s, his filmography there, they had a run of some top level 80s movies. Well, the thing about it is everybody look, thinks of Corey's, especially, well, the Corey's in general as these teen heartthrobs doing teen movies. True. But both of them combined and together have done some insane genre films, horror films that Ooh. they can say no, they're not just teen heartthrobs. They're they're multifaceted. Corey Haim is uh, essential to a film that is essential to this podcast. Hey, everybody, we can't have anything without a little bit of Corey Haim, Silver Bullet. He's the one that learns the lesson to piss on the Yankees and piss on the Indians. And he's wonderful in the film. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's, he's so shooting good. Rupert Everett McGill in the eye. He's got great aim. Yeah, he he's does. He's got great aim. Yeah, he does. His performance in Lucas is, I think, the one that really showed us that he's there's more to him than just this kind of cool kid. He's the dork in it. He's awkward in it. Yeah. And he's, he's wonderful in it. Did you ever see uh, Big Wolf on campus? That's ridiculous. I it, that's a Did, show like kind of a boner jammy type, like but like goofy shenanigans. Was that in the nineties? Uh-huh. Okay, because that's what's cause once he got into the nineties, I'm not saying that's where he lost his way. But he definitely wasn't the Corey Haim of old. No, in fact, sadly, that's when but, he became kind of the butt of jokes. But at the same time, the his body of work, I mean, with Corey. Feldman. I mean, the oh, Lost Boys. The Lost Boys sits on another level that is, I'm not going to say horror royalty, but there are some people that will you know, go to bat for that movie as like one of the great 80s horror films. I will go to bat for that being a fantastic film, but for me, the the quintessential Corey movies with the Corys together is License to Drive. Oh. I love that movie. I Fucking think- Mercedes Lane. Oh, I don't want to get creeps and nostalgia, but that was probably, I think, a lot of our first introduction to Heather Graham. Uh-huh. 
And she's another actor that's had a great run, you know, yeah. in a variety of genres. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love me some Dream a Little Dream as well. But like, I am a little, I don't know how I feel with it. I have, it's been a while mm-hmm. since I've gone back to, did you ever see Blown Away? The, not the, no, not that one. Is so, that the Travolta? Because I'm thinking the Travolta no, one. No, Blown Away is a Corey's film with Nicole Eggert. And it has a particular scene that uh, a, a Greg back in the early 90s would revisit if he could quite a bit. Oh, yes. It's it's kind of ribald. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend checking it out. Uh, but uh, Prayer of the Roller Boys was another one that always stayed with me. Yeah. Because if I am not, if I'm recalling correctly, that's also got um, Jamie Gertz, um uh, good lord! No, it doesn't actually. I'm. Am I thinking of another roller port? Because I wanted to say it actually had roller Brolin in it. In Snowboard Academy. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and then the other Corey eventually segued into one of the later Meatballs films. But uh-huh. let's just say we do have a lot of Corey Haim appreciation. Oh yeah, here on the show, regardless of the course you know his life took him. I never really had that ironic. No, I've always appreciated his work for what he was able to do. I liked the Corys. I really did. I yeah. liked the Corys. I like. I mean, and, well, and I hate like with Corey Feldman. He's touring now. I'm afraid that like a lot of the crowd that goes out there are there to mock him rather than to appreciate him. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like I'm not the biggest fan of Corey Feldman's music and his it, singing and fair. dancing. You know, I might clown him on that, but I ain't gonna hate his hustle. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm never gonna. Also ha- fair. I'm never gonna hate the hustle, and I'm always gonna appreciate some of the work that he's done. Now, some of his newer work might not be my thing, and I think he might be cash. But I'm glad that he might. At the same time, he's also cashing in on like, yeah, people are gonna laugh at me. I might as well do the joke first. Yeah. On some things. And a part of it though is he's still a he's a performer. Yeah, you know, he's a really performer. Get I out there. I you know I I got nothing but mad respect for Feldman, but I. More than the loss of Hain. So absolutely. Now, here's another question for you. I know in certain circles, people say you're either a Beatles person or an Elvis person. I know in horror, you know, uh, you know, households, you're either a um, um, Monster Squad or Goonies person. But Mm -hmm. Koontz and King, Mm -hmm. King, King, King. I've never read one Dean Koontz book. Really? Read many Stephen King books. Mm -hmm. Read many Richmond Richard Bachman books. books. And I don't know why. And it, and I was always aware of Koontz, and it's weird because you go to the horror racks, they're there's tons. He's and, got but tomes, they're right, but they're right by each other. Yeah, I mean, do you think it's because King had the dominance of the K for in that area? Or well, one he came first, and not only alphabetically, that's yeah, yeah, but also like literally. <laughs> so if we were to compare. Technically, you could say Stephen King's the Coke. Uh huh. Dean Koontz is the, the Pepsi. Pep- right. Being... Sting... Dean Koontz is the always say best choice. He's the Aldi brand. He's the Target brand. He nice, and not... which is which is not a slight. Slight. He's just as good. He's got just as much work out there. But you know, people are gonna say, "Hey, I'm gonna go Stephen King." They're gonna, they're not gonna instantly. If given the choice between Lucky Charms oh, no. and like Lucky Mallows, you know what I'm saying? So, what is, is my choice built upon you know budgeting at this point, mm-hmm. or is it just built upon my heart's want? It's heart's want. Oh, it's Lucky Charms all the way. Let's say, let's say, okay, so exactly. So let's say you got five dollars for cereal budget, right? Lucky Charms is four fifty. Lucky Lucky Stars is three fifty. But you're already going to spend at least the $5 yeah. on cereal. However, though, I will listen to the argument, though, that if you were raised on a certain brand, it has a particular flavor. It right. It takes you back to a particular time. So I guarantee you, there are Koontz fans out there cursing us. Diehard Koontz fans, well, What sure. is wrong with you all? You are I'm missing sure. all the goodness you in know this what? world. I think maybe because there's not enough adaptations of Koontz's work. Here's the thing, though. I know Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms because I went there. Phantoms is Phantoms is yo. Now Phantoms like a motherfucker. It is a good. It is. I really. I will one hundred percent go to bat for Phantoms. Now here's the thing. Phantoms is rad. Guess why I went there? Rose McGowan. Yes. Because I went there too for Rose McGowan. Because I'm a I, creep. But because it was just it was just after scream. It was just after scream. And I'm like, yeah. oh, it's Rose McGowan. 
she was the friend that had the the skirt on right like yeah i want to go see that movie plus it's got hoofleck and it's monsters sold and but, but the first selling point was rose mcgowan i ain't gonna make no qualms about it and Fucking it was back in the day now i'd be like oh ben affleck and monster movies cool but i know a number of adaptations exist but is it that we're are we fair weather horror fans no i just think it's like it's more prominent stephen king's christine stephen king's cujo stephen king's it stephen king's langolier stephen king's night flyer stephen king's the stand stephen king's this stephen king's yeah. that When's the last time Dean? Now, in an alternate universe, I'm sure they have Dean Koontz as the Watchers. Dean Koontz is this. Dean Koontz is that. Dean Koontz but, in another universe has another pen name right? at a certain point. Right. That the uh, yeah, the outpouring and support and success. I mean, honestly, you could say the same thing. I mean, he's still a prolific writer, and there's been I'm sure there's tons of work on him. But you can say the same thing about R.L. Stein, unless it's Goosebumps. They, you don't That's know specifically fair. what else is. And R.L. Stein jam, and I'm sure there's tons of horror writers that have written tons of horror stuff that have movie. Fucking Brian Lumley, you know. I mean, the Necroscope series, right? Yes. yes. I mean, and I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other horror movies out there Holy that shit. we that are based on people's works that we have no True. clue about because yeah. it's not that somebody's da 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 da. Well, and it's also just goes to show you that there's still so much horror for us to explore mm -hmm. so much more to experience including a combination of something we're familiar with be it Corey Haim right and something we're not as familiar with Dean Koontz and put them together and you get 1988's Watchers mm -hmm. which when we we're putting together programming for the dog days of summer I did kind of champion this one because I had recently watched it plus I was like I'm down I haven't seen it in a long time and like I remember enjoying it you know at least saying oh, that movie was cool and in the worst case scenario, at the light, we can, uh, we'll switch to something else. Yeah, uh, there's a we reason, got other ones that we can do. Well, there's a reason you're listening to it, because this combination, I think, worked really, really well for me. Yeah. And let's establish our Yelp meter. Yes. Because I know there are a few of you out there like, okay, that's fine. Well, I let's know you find like the, Corey. What's yeah. our Yelp review? So Thankfully. Thankfully, I think the official Yelp review is one and a half Yelps. Which is much lower even than last week's dogs. Mm -hmm. Because... So there is a scene that deserves a full Yelp of full-on dog violence where the dog is jumping out the window and yes. he gets swiped at and hurt by the monster and mm -hmm. he falls, boom, to the ground. And there's a little bit of a yeah, right? So that's our Yelp. The half of Yelp is when he gets body slammed by the monster. Press slam. Press slam. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me, let me, let me correct my vernacular. <laughs> oh, my God, he's going to press slam him, right? So he... <laughs> <laughs> That's the mutants music. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Right? So <clears throat> So he press slams the dog. But it looks puppety enough. It does look pretty puppety. So you're like, okay, that's not a real dog. And in fairness, there's also not a right, right? But it's and goes also technically the dog does make it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's the put dog's that a out there. Hero Let's put a, the movie. It's yeah, a hero so. dog. It is a hero, hero dog. dog. He's and Benji. It's well, and I think. But, I almost want to throw in another caveat of that. Yes, we gotta let's put talk a, about let's that. Let's put an asterisk by the one and a half Yelp review. And when, if you go back to our original our episode last week, we were pretty much both holding our breaths throughout the film, not only regarding to the stuff that we were seeing, but ideally getting some verification. Looking for no animals were harmed in the making of this film. We now, got it in 1976, kind of, sort of. Now, this is a Corolco the the studio and new concord the studio that brought you terminator yep. okay a 1986 there was no no animals were harmed in the making of this film you looked i think no less than three, three times. times there was animal trainers and not a lot animal trainers animal handlers and that nothing like this under the guideful eye of the aspca nothing under that so Upon our research, because we try to be iffy when we mm -hmm. can, we have not found anything saying that this was under the watchful eye of a guardianship. However, we have also found that it's not like a Milo and Otis shit where there's a whole bunch of st horror stories. And either. unless there is some crazy conspiracy theory out there. I keeping the watcher clean. Let's just say this, that uh, Sandy the dog, mm -hmm. who plays Furface in this, 
I think kind of stole the movie for you and multiple times. It's so cute and so smart. And like the look on the face of the dog, like <laughs> you do understand human talk. It melted your heart multiple yes. times yes. in the movie. But this was and talk about great the dog acting. Mm-hmm. Sandy the dog's incredible. Now, this is Sandy the dog's uh, feature film debut being the main dog actor. What's up, Biscuit? But this ain't Biscuit the Cat's podcast Biscuit debut. Has is a <laughs> multiple guest. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Biscuit is here. You're a, you're a month late, Biscuit, for those kaiju shenanigans. Mm, but two years later, genius, Sandy the dog would go on to the TV series Open House and would play Warren for one episode. So I don't know if... The business didn't agree with Sandy the dog. Maybe I hate to say it, but maybe something happened to Sandy. Maybe Sandy was an age of, of an age, or you know, sometimes health issues happen. We lose a lot of great people too soon. That same thing with animals. That's fair. I mean, look at my buddy Owen. That, that you know, this is this is totally true. This is why I think we need the IMD bark or whatever the equivalent it is. IMD to, flea to to get into end up because <laughs> we really appreciated. Sandy the dog's performance in this. Great. From the little bit where sleeping, like sleep acting. Oh, it was so cute. To the point where I'm not unconvinced that between takes, Sandy the dog would go up to like John, uh, was it a John Hess? Be like, now, John, I can pretend like I'm dreaming and give you a little whoop, whoop, right. if you would like. Would that right. be pretending too much? And even the point where Sandy was like typing the keyboards, and I know there was some magical editing, but to hold the pencil in the mouth in the and mouth. actually move it like that, I was like, this is super cute. And then like, say, now say yeah, one yes, bark for one and two for I know that simple dog tricks, but at but the same time, it, it was effective. It was wonderful. And for one that has unruly babies. <laughs> it's kind of nice to see someone actually a, a trained a animal. <laughs> and Biscuit's like, yeah, I know you're talking about you're me. talking about me, motherfucker. I'm, I'm going to knock over bed. something. <laughs> like I did while you were gone. By the way, I know it was a good vacation for you, but you got to remember... Occasionally, we might just want to. I'll, I'll ferry you over here so you can at least make an appearance. I don't know maybe if that's good or bad. Dad left us, so I'm going to leave him something. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So we made mention that in addition with uh, Sandy the dog, Corey Haim, we do have the great Michael Ironside in this movie. Terrifying things. Being scary as usual. And he only has one setting, and that setting's fucking intense. And in He's this, the Michael Shannon of Canada. He's like the Michael Myers of Canada you, in this okay, movie. Okay, so if you Cronenberg, Michael Myers, Michael Shannon, and Joe, and Joe Don Baker, and, and Jack Nicholson, and throw in a dash of John Saxon, and, <laughs> and set it to evil, then you would get Michael Ironside. And especially... In this role, oh fucking objects in rear view, me rear view, maybe more iron side than they appear, because he was terrifying. <laughs> and, and what's wonderful though is the way he his performance in this film, and he's basically the the government goon mm-hmm. that's tracking down uh, Sandy the dog as fur face and the mutant. Well, which we get to the Oxcom or Oxcom, the Oxcom. That's my beef. But his performance in this movie, though, and it's mentioned. He's almost more menacing than the monster. He's significantly more menacing than the monster. He's just except he doesn't pull out as many eyes. As many. As many. He does go full chi in this. This is a very this is a very Italian influenced movie and monster. You know what cracked me up is uh. probably about halfway through the film, at a certain point you're like, this is playing like a like a Lassie or Benji movie I would have seen back in the day. <laughs> Directed by and then you're like but i'm missing some gore right right and then not one set piece later right gore and then gore for the rest of the movie (laughs) escalating gore Uh, you know what listen john hess this is not the first time we've talked about him we've actually uh talked uh on the patreon feed our shutter shout out from last year or maybe this year he directed alligator 2 the mutation. Really? Yes. It see it had a very alligator twoian vibe. I can feel the alligator two in there. Mm-hmm. But the gore <laughs> is the monster over there. Don't talk about my receding hairline. I'm real sensitive about it. No, it would have been Cajun actually with uh, Richard Lynch's crew. That's right. I'm a, for five hundred dollars. I'm gonna get that dog. Like, and I can't even imagine Michael Ironside. Like, I'm going to find that dog, and I'm going to skin that dog. If you could, okay, I'll tell you what, give, give, 
I'll give you Richard Lynch and Alligator to the Mutation, mm-hmm. and Wilford Brimley and Hard Target. God damn all. They're gonna give the animal diabetes. The the crazy Cajun man. I would I would be all for that. But no, the makeup and the gore is compliments of David B. Miller, and he is kind of an icon in special effects as he was the OG designer for Freddy Krueger. Really? From A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, his... So is he the, did he also the design of the David Warner one, too? He, he was, yes, before they got the Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Sweet. So he is like... and <laughs> Would you like another look, bitch? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We're really, really missing that. But no, a laundry list of movies, including being uncredited on the Naked Guns, so maybe he <laughs> helped with... Did he make the condom suit? Did he, make, did he make the rope? Did he At make least the it was statue? safe. At least it was did safe. Did he make the statue? Assault the, with a concrete the... dildo. <laughs> he, made the, he made the flat Ricardo Montalban. And it should be noted also that we released this year was our guest spot on the Classic Horror Club's podcast, where we did indeed talk The Legend of Hell House getting freaky. Uh-huh. My lord, my lord. Okay, okay so let me, before we get Wax's card too much... <laughs> The gore for the aftermath and the and okay. when we did see the kills was amazing. I talking? just had a little bit of issue with the mutant himself. Well, let's talk about the the Oxcom. The Oxcom. Which has an acronym. Something, something, something mammal. Yeah, something. Weirdly uh, enough. Augmented, like experimental, something well, or other. And what's funny is if you go back to uh, last week's episode on dogs, there is a government experimental facility <laughs> that's, fuck, that's the great. ultimate holifier that's in the, that's yeah in the, oh that's good so we literally start things not only with a government facility but with huge practical explosion a building just catching on fire just kaboom and it's like something that I would assume like maybe Craig R. Baxley had something to do with because Matthias Hughes comes out fucking running and <laughs> I, I would have seen it. I would have seen it. But I know a big portion of the beef came from our Oxcom. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's necessarily in the design itself because, again, David Miller's amaz- amazing and incredible. But Fulci the Pooh? Yeah, well. So spent some time. Did they? Did it spend a time abroad in Italy? It did. Because it, did... not only did it love eyeballs, but okay. So the mouth was cool because it very gave it very fluffy from Creepshow vibe. It had that kind of feel and design. But his arms went from like reptilian and then hairy and then kind of bulb. And I was just like, and we never really got a good look at the monster. And what we did, it kind of looked like. What's that uh, Shaka from uh, Land of the Lost? Oh goodness! The... Now I'm kind of seeing that, and I can see where you're going. Like an evil, with it. like yes. if Cronenberg, if we Cronenberg fluffy with Shaka from Land of the Lost, then that's kind of the monster we would get. This and is was... what he gave Canadian kids programming. Like, well, here's your right. lovely cuddle, Shaka. <laughs> exactly. So... Ah, exactly. He, I think they're much like with Jaws. There's a reason the shark stays hidden. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of what that wasn't working. There's probably a reason that we get, you know, Oxcom vision. We see it in the background and we do not see it full on. I think maybe they're hiding the seams. Yeah. In some of that. Oh, yeah. It did look just like a, like a reject that Savini did for Fluffy. But he's almost like a secondary but, villain in the quarter half because the main villain is fucking Ironside. Yeah. <sighs> His and when you were talking about the lack of gore, it's as if Michael Ironside heard you. Hold my beer. I'm like ah, hold it'd be hold my um, moosehead, M- Molson or Molson. Yeah, he proceeds to grot this guy basically through a windshield and just does just just eviscerates his neck with a shattered w- window, and then then he decides he wants to kill her. And also then decides to bl- uh, blame it, blame it on the on the ox. Come, Bla- I will blame it on the watcher. I will, I will, right? So then he just decides to poke the dude's eyes out. Well, and the, the fact that the experimenta- experimentation comes between the dog mm-hmm. and ox cam and his dog. <laughs> 
do what they shouldn't do. A ox cam can go wrong. Because the ox cam is designed as this like ultimate killing machine uh-huh. that's supposed to take away from soldiers, but it's got this psychic connection with these dogs. Where the tar- so here's my theory. Yeah, I mean, here's my like question. Yeah, let's let's so talk about it. Basically, they they make this the DNA where this insatiable monster has to kill everything has to kill the dog and will kill everything in its way to get to the dog and everything that's been associated with the The dog dog. so they put the dog in basically a neighborhood and then they let the monster go first of all you're fucking killing dogs man you're like putting homing pigeon just send the monster to run amok and if the neighborhood and kill everything it wants to do anyway an adorable golden retriever dog a smart telepathic golden retriever dog and they're there and this is our government basically that is very much the antagonist canadian government let's put it let's let's put the blame where shame <laughs> shame eh shame eh <laughs> shame eh there were a number of canadian companies credited at the beginning of this film on top of coralco mm-hmm. so this was very i don't know if this veers into exploitation. i think so because like the Tur- canadian tax credit association funded this movie i think it falls into exploitation. you know what i was what funded my enjoyment was the fact that we talk about stephen king approved killing of kids yeah where do we fall what is the qualification of teens is that still stephen king approved if it depends on what the teens are doing. If the teens are doing adult things like drinking and having sex, then no. Okay. Like, like if they're camp counsel- if they're camp counselors, yeah, and they're like maybe seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, they're still considered teens, right? Maybe even sixteen, depending on how ribald or how, what kind of, depending on the story. Sure. But if they're doing kid stuff, yeah, like riding bikes, riding or bikes? sledding, as in hollow, as in Silent Night, Deadly sure. Night. Or playing or playing baseball or whatever. If they're doing kid things, then they're still kids. Okay, perfect. So, so in this case, we get the Rick a, a huge Rick Dalton moment mm-hmm. as we got these trio. And I thought initially they were BMX toughs. Right. The way they pulled up to him. And like, hey, man. And then the way the, the first, hey, man. And like, oh, shit, they're going to like fuck with Corey Haim. Like, hey, man, did you hear about what happened at school? It's crazy. I hope we... We can find out. Hey, let me know later. We'll do some social studies homework or something. Like these aren't street toughs. These are like neighborhood kids. And included in there, fresh from the, whatever the Canadian peach pit is. Da na na na, da na na na, da na na na, da na na na, do 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 do. An impossibly young Jason Priestley. He he at the let's knowing how young he is in this movie. He was actually, he's actually the age he was supposed to be it. back in nine oh two one oh days instead of being in his thirties. So <laughs> and he's pro- you can tell he's the leader because he's wearing gloves. Uh huh. With his BMX and he's got biking. the flowing mane. He's the one. He's the hey guy, right? He's the hey man. And so everybody's like, let's go to let's go but to the then, forest and but play. Then there's that dude. With there's that. that dude with this weird perm. What was the it's, perm mullet? It's kind of mullet and curly locks. It's kind of like this weird. He he's he's getting ready for his Thurman Merman cosplay. <laughs> he's gonna get some sandwiches but ready. He's from '88, so he right. had the mullet right. in there. But you've got these and then tree- and, then, and then tubs. The the one that technically, if they were going to deal with the the LS demons or the Cenobikers, he's the one that sandwiches. No, that's still Thurman Merman. Yeah, but he was. They called him Piggy. They called him Piggy. He was the the fat friend. And sure, you think enough, Jason Presley? You think Jason Presley is like one of these days? I'm gonna go to Hollywood. This hair is <laughs> gonna give me late pay. I'm gonna have these sideburns going between these ladies' thighs. Come on, fat stuff. Get on that BMX. Let's go. And sure as shit, fat stuff. And our Canadian our, and our, our mulleted buddy are They're dispatched. Coons approved. <laughs> Here's the thing. So this is the point where it's not quite Steve. It's not quite. I'm like, yeah, so far all the kills have been off screen because mm-hmm. even like fast stuff. He's like, oh, where it's the where the camera is the one killing the person. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, OK, if, if they're good aftermath, I'll say, yay, I'll allow it. But. This is getting old quick. I better get some gore and some violence. And especially the fact we're in 1988. Right. And we're already about halfway through, and we've already have three kills under, four kills under our belt at this time. The teens would make almost four, five, and six. There's six of them. Mm-hmm. So, and they've all been off screen so far, and mm-hmm. that's why I was like, 
this aftermath better be fucking good and it better start getting a lot gory or I'm going to start checking out quick. But the aftermath is great. The aftermath. The after the aftermath that we see, like their faces are just caved in. And I'm like, ha, there's your pretty face now, Presley. The Australian handyman. The horny Australian handyman. Horny, uh, so do you think he was. Schneider doing- from down under. <laughs> exactly what I was going for. And I'm just imagining the possibilities with that. Because, you know, he's handy. He can fix everything. But at the same time, man. That's uh-huh. And he was actually. We know what was rolling in the dryer. Yeah, we, we did. We never got visual confirmation. But of we know like, that it was head. Is, that, yeah, ah, it's like, ah. Yeah. This got significantly gorier as the movie progressed, and what? I applauded it. And I was like, bravo. What? And then, spoilers on a 40-year-old fucking movie. When the uh, when we get the we already he's already a bad guy, Michael Ironside. Ironside yeah. But when he becomes his final form bad guy... <laughs> and he's genuinely terrifying. He fucks people up. Basically, he announces himself as I'm the third one. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that I'm the been- Alpha and Omega. Ah! And his dispatching of said partner, just how callow of everybody. He uh, yeah, he, that's he kills everybody. He doesn't give a fuck. And there's <laughs> drowning, uh, drugging up teens. <laughs> well. We we did start with the farmer's daughter. daughter. But here's the thing. Okay, here's another thing I wrote in my notes. First of all, for being such a smart dog, you picked a dumbass owner. Oh, you must be hungry. Let me give you this bar of chocolate. Fuck off. We were That's, screaming oh, at we the TV. We were so angry at that. <laughs> and I'm like, man, whoever trained this dog, don't. Eat, I hope that stunt chocolate. I hope it's carom. You know, I hope it's something because... Everybody who's worth the salt should know that you That's don't like feed dog fucking 101. chocolate to a dog. Mm. Mm. And well, you know what? I think Furface might have been a dog plus, possibly. Hopefully. At this case. Or that would have just been a rough night of the trots. Poor dog. At the worst, in the worst Poor case dog. scenario. No, you hopefully know what? Maybe if he's a jerky or maybe like painted. I, I thought I had a Rick Dalton moment with the composer of this film. Because the music is composed by Joel Goldsmith. If, if Dean Koontz is best choice, Stephen King. No offense, Joel. I mean, everybody. You can't hire his daddy. Hire the kid. Nepo composer. Jerry Goldsmith kid. Joel Goldsmith. And there's a lot of Goldsmith. It runs in the family. You can hear so much of a lot of previous Goldsmith. What if there's no real Joel Goldsmith? What if like Jerry's planting the back? seeds oh, right no. now for when he like becomes immortal? I shall carry on on my son in my son's name. Is that what Stephen King is doing with uh, Bachman? No, I, no, with not with Joe Bachman, Hill, but with Joe Hill because they, they look, look alike. It's freaky you know what maybe he's pulling like an isabella rosalini like i'm gonna fool the hell out of him and he like takes the serum until they become joe and then you know, like oh the serum's wearing him now i'm Stephen king again and i got joe hill's got an appearance go 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 and let's do cocaine oh no that's wearing yeah. off again you're, you're, you're acting a little off kilter joe you know what's happening in your face joe it's happening oh, right and like so <laughs> Hey, I'm gonna melt the hell out of me, right? And then they gotta. It's. I wouldn't be shocked. Is let's just face that. Now here's the worst part, though. We have all this like king mythology. I know very little of Koontz <laughs> and his kids. He's the mystery man. When <laughs> oh, he, who, when, who's when responsible he, for this? When he dies, his legend dies with him. He hasn't learned the secret of mortality. It's like in the Illusionist. Like, no, like the the Prestige. Oh, fucking the prestige. Jackman has. When Jackman figures out, oh man, this guy's gonna live forever, and I'm gonna die fucking nothing, you know. This is this is why it it ha- it pays to hang out with Nikolai Tesla mm-hmm. and he and Kendrick Vuce beep machine. I don't want to spoil anything, right? I love that ending and that realization. It's fucking of- cool, but that's basically what it is. So, like, oh man, does that mean though? Dean Koontz has like the commitment of a he has a twin brother out there somewhere. 
possibly. Maybe Dean Koontz is like those two fat twins from Gremlins 2 and the fucking, uh, not not the two fat, fat twins that are rolling around on the motorcycle, but, but the two acting twins from Gremlins 2 and fucking uh, Terminator 2. I need, we need to dig more into the Dean Koontz lifestyle <laughs> right? and figure out the Dean Koontz culture, because I guarantee it exists. He's probably even more main than Stephen King. He's Oh, and he's wiping his butt with a $100 bill right now in his golden toilet as we are laughing Keep with Keep laughing him. there, fuckers. Mainland, inland fuckers, landlocked bitches. I'm over here. Excuse me. I'm Dean Koontz, and I'm going to go hop on my boat. <laughs> Why is he either old Hollywood or not quite Maine? That's... <laughs> He's a Yale man. That's why. <laughs> so needless to say, I'm glad the Yelp meter was low in this one. Uh-huh. Definitely what fun was had. The, the press slam with Sandy the dog, it made me... <laughs> React the first time when I watched it this year, and it still made me react because we're like, "Whoa, and, press slam!" And then, yeah, oh my god! <laughs> and then, what are we gonna do? Uh, well, Operation Francis was a success. Francis, Francis. <laughs> from the from the first time we heard it to when we got exposition, it doesn't get old, and we'll always do it. Every time we hear the word Francis, Francis, <laughs> it goes without saying. No, this one was. For me, a lot of fun, and one I think, and looking. Oh shit! No, the uh, hotel creep. Remember the hotel creep, and then like I told you, no dogs, no dogs here, and the fucking monster dragged her ass not only through the mirror, a la Candyman, but through the window too. She went through two planes, two panes of sugar glass. That was violently. And that speaking was great. of sugar glass, Sandy the dog. That's one of our yelps gets yes. thrown out the window and sliced on by the uh, monster. Yeah. And then here's the thing. That dog fucking just drops like a can of beans. It's funny. It's not funny because the doggy gets like, it's well, we're showing totally fine, but we're hoping the doggy didn't get hurt in real life. the doggy we're didn't assuming. get hurt in real life. We're assuming. Oh, damn you. But... At the same time, the way it drops, it's like when Homer's trying to jump the gorge in The Simpsons. He's like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. And just immediately straight down. And they gave me a giggle. And I'm like, I shouldn't be laughing at this dog getting hit. But at the same time, I'm a monster. And so, like. <laughs> You're our own Oxcrom. You're like the right? eighth version. At least I know the doggy's not getting hurt. No. So that's why I can laugh. Well, and what I didn't. What I. What. So. Fulci the poo. I know just in terms of kind of like some final thoughts on this, but I knew this had a franchise. I knew Mark Singer was in the second. Didn't realize, and we went through the trailer reel for the rest of these. So part three had a number of surprising actors, if I remember mm -hmm. right. But it's Watchers Reborn. Part four. That were like, wait, that Mark Hamill? Fucking Mark Hamill. And it kind of, and it honestly, I think it was part I think it was part two where the mutant looks more, or the oxcom looks more mutanty. Where it looks more like a lizardy, like a yeah, game, without like a said, lot of the fur. Uh huh. But I'm kind of curious now, almost the way the extra franchise is, where you know I know the original is established. I'm, but I'm kind of curious to see what the sequels may bring. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with the pedigree involved. Okay, so in Watchers Two, Star, it's. Directed by Theory Knotts, who also directed The Terror Within. Ooh, written by Tom Holland. Uh-huh. And Superboy, the movie. Oh, okay. It stars Mark Singer, Tracy Scoggins, and Mary Warnov. Mary, Uh-huh. Uh and that's all that I can realize So then right it now. was part then three then had the guy three, from... It's... Um, Amityville, it's about time. Three had Wings Hauser. Fucking Wings Three Hauser. had Gregory Scott Cummings. Gregory Scott Cummings. Oh, Fucking no. Luther. Oh, right? God. Uh, Daryl Roach. And those are the two. See, it's main... the, that was the selling point then. The Wings uh -huh. and the Gregory Scott and on. And then Watchers Reborn. That's, that's where... the one that has. Yep. Oh, shit. Stephen Mocked. Watchers Reborn has Stephen Mock, Mark Hamill, Lisa Wilcox. Hey. Uh-huh. Lou Rawls. Well, Lou Rawls. You'll never find. And, yeah, I want to see. And Kane Hodder. Yeah, again, I guaranteed film family members, I will take in an extra sequel. I will take in a Watchers sequel because enough fun as we had with this first one and to see kind of where it looks like it goes in mm -hmm. the sequels 
I'm I'm all for it. So final thoughts as we wrap this one up here, genius. Why did he get in trouble with bringing the dog to school and he gave him detention, but then yet he stuck around all day long and in detention? Well, you know what? Regardless, the the person that gave the detention got the comeuppance, so mm-hmm. I think they were punished one way or the other. They were losing their job regardless right. for keeping the dog there the whole day. Uh, getting thrown in the fuse box. She got tossed in the fuse there box. There were a few tossings in this. Again, when they kind of started upping the levels of violence. Yeah. Well, you should and you should also worry when you get a all points bulletin from the American Cancer Foundation. Oh God! If you see these, please call this. Uh, if you see this dog, call, call the American Cancer Foundation. Is that the NSO's like cover at that point? That's terrible. That would make me freak the fuck out. Like, is this dog radioactive? Is this contaminated dog? Am I gonna get cancer from this good boy? It's yeah. the starting of Clifford the Big Red Dog. That's how it eventually gets big. Dun, 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 dun. Roar, 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 roar. Woof. It's like the Jingle Cats. Woof, 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 woof. Woof, 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 woof. Uh, shooting shrapnel. Fucking he homes alone, everybody. That whole sequence that felt very Predator-esque. In fact, you probably could play this as a double feature with that and the dog tried to sacrifice himself mm-hmm. for like the greater good like if i stay you'll die so i go and i'm like oh don't go doggy that scrabble scene i think is what probably sold you at least on uh-huh the you know fur faces performance bum, 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 bum. but also i guarantee that dog probably got like so many like points and was maximizing on shit to the point that brought out the dictionary do, do abbreviations count when you play I don't know. Okay. You can't do that. I'd be abbreviating all day long. So I would like do it for my own good. <laughs> for the greater good. At the same time, I would feel fucking terrible if I lost to a dog at fucking Scrabble. But, you know, dogs, they, they are smart, man. They have a level of intelligence. Still, no matter smart or not, spelling. If I lost a spelling contest to a dog, Guaranteed. I'd feel bad if I lost an eating contest to a dog. But, like spelling contest at this point we will we will cease any competitive activities with any canines dogs cats i'm gonna win best in show god damn it <laughs> you are competitive too <laughs> i know you'd cut some corners i'm afraid to look to see what that would happen now this one this one was a lot of fun now that being said i know we're going international mm-hmm. for next week both of us i believe are seeing it for the first time mm-hmm. it was recently brought up in the We Hate Movies podcast, they literally talked about it and they said it was legit good. Hmm. So at least I think we should be, we're going to be in for an experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. So international with our dog exploitation. We'll make so sure we figure out our Yelp review. Yeah. The Yelp will, be, Yelp will be international in this case. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Yeah.